Hey, welcome back to another episode of e-commerce on tap brought to you by Sourceify. My name is Nathan Resnick, your host. And today we are joined by Steve from SKRP Media. Steve, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me, Nathan. I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to a good conversation and hopefully add some value for your listeners. Uh, we are too, and really appreciate you taking the time. I want to start with your story. I know you've been in e-commerce probably for two decades, three decades, and your LinkedIn profile looks like almost 20, 25 years. So you've got a lot of experience to share. I want to hear that story. Let's start there. Uh, yeah. So e-commerce has not been the full 20 plus years, but the last seven has definitely been e-commerce. And you know, I know the shows are on that. So I think that'd be most valuable to your listeners. So I got involved with that due to a job separation I had a few years back and then had some family stuff come up. And uh, so I made a choice to do my own thing because I needed the flexibility, which is obviously an attractive component to that. And I told my wife, I had been doing some consulting and some other things and I had some friends doing e-commerce. I said, let me try this. If I can't make those work in six months, I'll go back to the normal life, right? So six months came around. I hadn't done as far as I'd want to go. However, this is the key thing. I had made significant progress where I was making some sales and just still figuring some things out. And so at that point you get that app, you get that taste, right? When you get your phone to start making that little cash register noise, that is just so motivating and so empowering. And so I was like, I can't stop now. And so continued along. And as any of your listeners will know, and anybody doing the entrepreneurial journey, it is not a straight line. There's a lot of ups and downs and backwards and forwards and sideways, et cetera. But long story short is we managed to grow that business from an idea at dinner one night. And if you'd have told me five years ago that we would start a business from an idea at dinner, grow it to seven figures, and then have this thing called the pandemic crush our business, I would have fallen off the chair laughing. That's sadly what's happened to our business. And now I've evolved into doing M&A work because what the reason for that is we were going to sell our e-commerce business. My wife and I were in Mexico we were actually traveling the world at that point because the business was going well. And, but I, I said to her, if we did this and this, we could double or triple this. And so I made the decision not to, that was just, that was in the late 2019. And of course, a couple of months later, our lives all changed. And long story short is that really put a blow to our business, but because I wanted to sell it, there are some details I wanted to really learn. So long story there, but I got involved with and now I linked up with a colleague of mine, and now I'm doing M&A advising for businesses. So whether it's e-commerce or SaaS businesses, but we do a lot of e-commerce businesses that are trying to sell their asset, which is what we were. And we're trying to get the most money for them. And they're making a lot of mistakes. We had made the same mistakes, but I feel for these people because they're just leaving so much money on the table. And that's one of the things I wanted to share with your listeners is that not to make these mistakes. But that's what I'm doing now is we rebuild our business. We're trying to get some new suppliers. And again, I don't want to get off on topic there, but the point is your listeners will know e-commerce is still very viable. I will tell your listeners that from, if you ever have the plan and if you ever thought about selling your business or you think I'm never going to sell this thing, I would tell you or encourage your listeners to start thinking to put your business in place that you will sell it. Cause here's what's going to happen. Here's what happened to us. Three years from now, you have no idea how your life is going to change. So if you put the pieces together now and you put this infrastructure in place as best you can and you're growing it, it's profitable and it's growing, has a little bit of an upward trend or it has that. You just got to have some traction, revenue and profitability. There are buyers out there for e-commerce businesses. I can tell you because I'm in the trenches doing M&A right now for these assets. And there's plenty of things and there's buyers looking for e-commerce businesses. So that is maybe a motivator, hopefully a motivator for your listeners because it's fun to see because now doing this m a work i get to see behind the scenes i see the financials 
I see the business model. I see how they're generating traffic and how they're monetizing the business to see what they're doing. And there's always holes in a lot of e-commerce businesses. And the number one mistake they're most of them are making. Care to take a guess on that, Nathan? Probably. Hmm, that's a good question. Number one mistake e-commerce businesses are making when they prepare for an exit. I would estimate just keeping track of their financials and inventory and cash flow. You know, that's definitely one. I mean, they got to have the financials, but the, the lowest hanging fruit that they're not taking advantage of to the fullest of their ability, and that would be emailing their list. It is mm. shocking how many business owners I talk to. They have list size 10,000, 20,000, 50,000, 100,000, and they don't email their list enough. And they don't know how much revenue their list is producing. And so as a, as a motivating factor for your listeners is your list size, whatever that is, should be generating you $1 per month in revenue. And that's not profit, but if it's your product, there's going to be some cost there, right? But that's revenue. There's, and once you own that traffic, you own those eyeballs, right? You can then have a direct conversation. You're not buying the traffic from paid ads. You're not doing social media posts, trying to get all that stuff. You own that relationship. And I would encourage people to, to do whatever they can do to build a relationship. And the mistake people make, and I had the same belief, which is wrong, Oh, people are gonna get offended. I don't want to burn. I don't want to bother them. I don't want to be emailing too much. It's some classic mistakes because guess what? How many emails do we all get per day? We're bombarded with emails, but those emails that you're not going to buy today, you're not going to open today, but you still keep it on your list because they've got a relationship and there's something about that brand you still appreciate it and respect. And so you never just, you never unsubscribe. That's the way I think about that. And I think most people are the same way. And so there's going to come a day when they're like, there's a headline or there's something I do want for that brand. And being a smaller e-commerce business, I will tell you as well and your listeners from experience, and hopefully they'll appreciate this and you maybe have already experienced this, is that people will root for the underdog. Like when we first started, I'm like, who is going to buy from us? We're some small mom and pop business. There's no way people are going to buy from us. And lo and behold, they're buying from us. And we grew it to seven figures. And one of the turning points in my journey along this path, we were traveling we're visiting some family and they had the TV on in the background and we just got done dinner and they just, I don't even know what news channel it was. It doesn't matter, but it was prime time television. And I think all of us recognize that is the most expensive form of media at prime time television. It doesn't matter what night it is. Right. And one of our competitors was advertising on TV. And I sat there and I just, it hit me and I started laughing going, Oh my God, because here we were some small business and I'm on my laptop. And we were competing with them. Now, granted, we were nowhere near that size and I never wanted to be that size. However, because I knew how to generate traffic and then you knew a bunch of details underneath that, we were making it work. And it was like one of those things, all the dots came together and said, wait a minute, we can compete with that big guy. Don't ever have to go there, but maybe he'll come by us one day. That's what started my thinking as well. But right. that didn't right. happen. But anyway, it doesn't matter because now I know how this works. So <laughs> Makes sense. It sounds like a great learning experience. I want to ask because I think that listeners would be fairly interested of what brand or what product category was that e-commerce business in and yeah. what kind of supply chain issues and challenges that really hurt the business from COVID. Because as a whole, I think e-commerce in general grew tremendously during COVID. And so a lot of e-commerce businesses saw a ton of growth during COVID. Obviously yep. they faced a lot of supply chain challenges. And if you were out of stock, then obviously you couldn't be making money. And that my guess is what happened in, in your category, but just curious yep. and, and would love to learn more about that story because I think it's really interesting and showcases how important a strong supply chain is 
to be diversified and, and to have other suppliers that can produce those products? Yeah, no, it's a great question. We're in the fitness space. So we are selling some fitness accessories. My wife's a marathon runner. So we're just selling some small accessories and accessories will always sell no matter what niche you're in. It's a great place to start. Now our margins were obviously low, but that was our issue with supply chain. Our manufacturer, what happened was if you recall COVID was started in January in Asia, our supplier sadly was in China or is in China and they were closed for four months, my manufacturer. Wow. So my actually, it's a kind of a side story, but it's an interesting one because I was ahead of the curve on what was going on in the world because my main contact at our supplier went home for their Chinese New Year, which is for listeners in the States here, like our Thanksgiving or our national holiday. And they locked him and his family in their apartment building for 58 days. So he couldn't leave the building. So then they, they still were locked down. And so by the time they got back up and running, that was almost four months. We had already had an order in the queue, but because we're a small guy, we got pushed way down the list. So when they came back online, they were like, you're down. And so that was another two months before we got any product. But by then we had to run out at the wrong time. It was the perfect storm that happened. And again, I made mistakes leading us to a spot like that shouldn't have happened. We had a backup supplier, but the problem we had there was the quality wasn't as good. And so I was reluctant. I kept thinking they're going to open and so you get in those, maybe, maybe you start doing this stuff and then it starts to roll and then it starts to cascade. Then we've had a falling out with our suppliers. So now because of what's going on in the world, I'm trying to find different suppliers. And I've had some challenges with that. And now quite frankly, then I've been distracted with the seven a work, but it's still a plan of ours. Cause I know how this works. I just have to, to do a few things. I've learned so much, of course, in that time, but it's been two years since COVID really but I've shifted my attention. That's the other reason. So I'm slowly trying to build that back up. And there's some other details around that, but that's really the, the crux of the story. Thank you for sharing. I think so many people had different challenges during COVID, whether it be keeping up with sales, inventory, supply chain really was thrown a wrench, right? So many factories were shut down in your experience. So many factories ran out of raw material themselves. Yep. There was literally yep. just so many challenges. Every which way you look at it, COVID was such a anomaly that for a supply chain that it was impossible to plan. And I think yeah. even if you had a sub supplier that had the right material and right quality and right lead time, chances are they would have been out of inventory or shut down anyway during that time of COVID as well. And I think that was one of the craziest parts of keeping up with growth for any e-commerce brand during that period. It was just impossible to navigate your supply chain. I think that's where solutions and companies like ISBA, which is another sponsor of e-commerce on tap or Sourceify really came in to help these companies navigate. And I think in today's climate, obviously it's changed a lot, right? Demand mm -hmm. slowed down a bit. E-commerce is still growing. Fortunately, freight costs are, are way down compared to where they were two years ago. But yeah. now what I'm really curious to dive into is the M&A market, right? Because multiples were sky high during COVID. I mean, it seemed like the most amount of money that any brand has sold for. And now you've got this complete shift. If you compare the private markets to the public markets and keep a pulse on what's happened to Allbirds or Casper or Purple or some of those large D2C brands that went public, their stock is way down. And I'm curious, is that reflected in the private markets as well? What kind of deal flow is happening? Are these mostly distressed deals? What, what are you seeing in the M&A market of e-commerce right now, Steve? That's a great question. So the good news is we are still seeing deal flow. One of the things that I had to generalize, right? So deals gonna be different for the reasons why a seller is choosing to sell. A lot of times it's burned out. They've had a partnership and they're splitting in a new direction. 
they haven't leveraged their list enough. So their revenue and their profit is not quite as strong as it needs to be. Because a lot of times the businesses that will work with are specialists in their field, like they know something very unique about that niche and have a passion for it and somehow fall into this e-commerce business that starts to grow. And they're like, whoa, this is pretty cool. But now it's above their head. And then you throw in the how to generate traffic and all the tech details and get them overwhelmed. So that becomes an issue as well, because as you grow, there's going to be more challenges, right? We experienced this as well, managing the cash flow, managing the product fulfillment and all that stuff. I got to the point where I learned that when I placed an order, it was at least five weeks before the product was in my warehouse. And so you had to just manage all that and manage all the cash flow around all that stuff. So those are just nuances you learn. Not all businesses are distressed. We've had a couple that have been, but there was one that we sold a few months ago that they had all the margins. It was actually a high ticket, a higher ticket item in the travel space. And the only reason the seller chose to sell was he was a very young guy who started the business during COVID actually, raised some money on Kickstarter. He didn't have any working capital, so he couldn't buy enough inventory. So it was very stressful for him. He had to take loans, buy the product, get it from his manufacturer, get it shipped. He'd sell out and get, it's this yo-yo game. But because his capital outflow is a little more than he had any capital access to, then he was just overwhelmed with that. And so he decided to sell it, but he had heavy margins. I kept saying to him, why aren't you spending more money? And he said, I don't have the ability to do that. And so anyway, everyone's going to be different. So we've had things like that are everything is like perfect because I actually almost consider buying it myself. But at the same time, there's are, there are some that are distressed and then some that the owner's tired of wants to move on. There's just a variety of reasons. Makes sense. In terms of getting your business prepared to sell, what are some of the shortcomings that you see e-commerce brands taking? A lot of people talk about those skeletons in a closet where you look for at a deal. What are some skeletons in a closet that an e-commerce brand should be prepared for to present to a potential buyer, right? Because I think at the end of the day, when you're going through a transaction, if something comes up that you aren't transparent about, typically, at least from my experience, it's going to throw off a potential buyer. And so you might as well Absolutely. be transparent and, and forward about hey, this is a challenge or this is a quote-unquote skeleton in a closet that my business has. Yeah, I'm glad you shared that. It's because the more transparent you can be, the better it's going to be. Because you think about this, somebody's coming in cold, doesn't know enough about your business. You present the business as an attractive entity to buy along with the financials, right? So you got to have some clean financials. Yes, a lot of business owners will run personal things to their business. That's fine. Those can be added back or taken back out. So if you run like your gym membership or your car through the business, you, those get taken out of the financials, right? But understand that you're not going to have that cash to do that. You're going to get a lump sum payment per se, but that's just, that's just a little detail, but it ties back to the financials, right? The biggest thing is try to get your business in a working order that is as efficient as possible. And building a relationship with your customers and knowing the other thing I would add in is knowing your customer at a very deep level from either your prospective customers or who your current customers are. And I mean, know them at a deep level. And let me give an example. For our e-commerce business, I knew that our ideal buyer, you're going to get to talk to one person, was a 48-year-old female who lived just outside or in San Antonio, Texas, was married, college-educated, was in the medical field, more specifically was a nurse, had a child, would therefore was a runner, used a running stroller, drove an SUV, owned an iPhone, went out to casual restaurants. And I tell people this and they're blown away. It's like, how do you know this? I knew that I needed to understand my avatar at a very deep level. And why that's important is it helps me communicate and build a relationship. Now, yes, we did sell the people that were older, females that were older and even younger and even males, right? But at the same time, that was our ideal buyer. 
and then we have a different avatar for the male, but there's a lot of correlations. And so you can direct, you can pinpoint on that one kind of the holistic view, those commonalities, you could then create marketing activities to them, either email or ads or things like this. And you're going to be speaking to them. So they're more receptive to listening to you because you're talking to them at a level. Because if this characterizes you, obviously you're, you're male, Nathan, but let's say you had those other ones that you might be a runner because I see your running shoes in the background. So you're a runner, you have an iPhone, you drive an SUV, you take, I'm communicating to you that way. You're going to be more receptive to listening to my marketing messages and then seeing what product do I have? Is it solving a problem you have in your life? And I knew that problem as well. And so if I identify that pain point and said, Hey, here's my product that is at a competitive price, then the transaction will take place. And now you get to learn more about our brand. And that's a mistake that again, a lot of e-commerce businesses and businesses in general is they don't focus on building a deep enough relationship with their customers or prospects. But you think about this, if I do that, I grow my email list, I grow my sales and my prospects and then my profit grows and everything keeps going up and you get to a spot where you can take this business and put it in a nice little package and say to a prospect of acquiring entity, hey, would you like to buy this asset? Because buyers are looking for not only the product you sell, but it's the brand and it's the data they're looking for. That's another key thing. So you can still have an Amazon store. That's still data. Those are very clean, very clean sales because it's up and running. They know deposit as long as you have traction there, right? The difference mm -hmm. there is it's Amazon's customer and it's not your customer. I think all of your listeners will know that if they have Amazon stores, we started on our own website and then moved to Amazon because we were spending so much money on ads. People are looking for our brand on Amazon, but that just became an extra source of revenue for us. I did not focus on Amazon at all, but that was my choice because I knew that a buyer coming in one day is going to want the data. Makes sense. I think data is key in any business, especially in e-commerce when it comes to having that email or having that customer profile. Steve, thank you so much for coming on e-commerce on tap. If people want to get in touch, where can they find you? They can go to, I got a special link here for your listeners at skrpmedia.com slash sourceify. That's skrpmedia, all one word, dot com slash sourceify. And uh, I can basically answer a couple of questions. And I've had a few people come to me through other people I've been chatting with and just to try to get them some extra value added. And it's just a free 30 minute call. Every time I've had one of those calls, I'm always able to you know, point out something missing right now in their business and they're leaving. It's just basically a hole in their business and it's not nothing against them. It's just, they're so busy that they don't know what they don't know. And we're so in the trenches that you can't see the forest for the trees. So just having that fresh set of eyes, a lot of times give them a perspective that they've found really valuable. So Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Steve. Thank you again for coming on e-commerce on tap and everyone go check out skrpmedia.com slash sourceify. I think I got that right. So hopefully they remember it and everyone please like subscribe, comment. It really helps. And thank you again for listening to this episode of e-commerce on tap brought to you by sourceify.